Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. I remember when my journey with Jesus began. I was about seven years old, watching a movie about him in the hall of the Greek Orthodox Church that my family and I attended. I fell in love with Jesus instantly with a childlike faith, no questions asked. But as I matured into my 20s and 30s with many life experiences, both good and bad, I put Jesus on the back burner. I got married to an Italian count, had a child, and moved to Lugano, Switzerland, where I lived what some would call an amazing, luxurious life. We had many homes, including staff and a driver, fancy cars, expensive clothes, and jewelry were in abundance. I remember one day while driving in my fancy car that a sinking thought entered my heart. Is this it? Is this my purpose in life? Among all this stuff, I felt an emptiness. The thought disappeared and I went on living as usual. After many years, because of my husband's work, we moved to London. But it was during this period that my marriage began slipping away. It was like a fast train headed for disaster and I didn't know how to stop it. It was then that I cried out to Jesus for help and he heard me. Through many miraculous, God-orchestrated circumstances, I ended up on an alpha course where it all began at a church called Holy Trinity Brompton, or HTB. It was during this 10-week course that I slowly learned who Jesus was. Through Alpha, I began wanting to read the Bible. I learned how to pray and learned about the Holy Spirit, who he was and what he did. In the past, I knew about God, but it was through Alpha that I developed a personal relationship with him. Alpha changed my life 20 years ago, and because of it, I took Jesus, who I fell in love with as a little girl, off the back burner and made him Lord of my life. I haven't looked back since. It's been an amazing journey, and I know the best is yet to come. My name is Paula Brandolini Dada, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the scripture reading today is from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret... The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Paula. How many of you are, uh, are not familiar with Twitter? I see one hand, two hands. Okay, so that means that everybody else knows what Twitter is, right? So I have a Twitter account, and I just checked this last week, and I'm up to 169 followers. (laughs) I'm not sure what they're following, because I haven't tweeted since 2013. So, um, okay. So if you're visiting with us this morning, we're thrilled you're here, and let me tell you about a little experiment we've been trying the last couple of weeks, and we're going to keep trying it. Um, We're going to get into groups of three or four, just people who are seated right near you, turn around, and I give you kind of a a softball question right at the beginning, and then I'll give you a little um, more deeper question later. But here's the softball question. Um, How many people are you following on Twitter, and who do you like following the most? And if you're not on Twitter, who would you follow if you were? All right? So turn to two or three other people and just kind of talk about Twitter for a minute. (laughs) Let me ask a question. If, If you are on Twitter, if you do the, if you, you know, do the tweet thing and get tweets and all that stuff, um, how many people? How many of you follow more than five people? Okay, so that's quite a few of us. All right, so just by that, are you really following them? Can you follow more than one person? Really? I mean, you read what they're watching on TV or you, you read about their, um, their take on some editorial or, or, you know, their views of the election and you, you, you keep up with them. But are you really following them? Let me read this definition. Um, this is how, if you look it up, here's the definition of follower. One in the service of another. One that follows the opinions or teachings of another. 
one that imitates another. So by that definition, are you really following these folks on Twitter? I mean, you're reading their opinions, but are you following their opinions? Are you in their service? Are you trying to imitate them? Let me give you another definition. Um, This is the definition of supporter. A person or thing that supports an adherent, backer, or advocate, a jockstrap or a garter. It's in the definition, so I just wanted to bring it out there. So we've got this presidential election coming up, and it's, it's got a lot, of, uh, a lot of attention. And most of the, most of the stir is, is around the um, unfavorables of the candidates, right? I mean, people... People are saying that they're going to support Hillary because they so dislike Donald. Or they're saying they're going to support Donald because they so dislike Hillary. But there's not a lot of people who are saying, I really follow this person. Um, there's, there, a lot of people are giving their support to one candidate or another, not because they want to imitate them or they want to go all in or they want to serve them, but just because they don't want the other person to be president. This is, um, well, you might say that a supporter will endorse a candidate or vote for a candidate while a follower will serve that candidate. A follower will, will go all in for that candidate. We've got, um, we're in this series called Mission Possible, where we're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and, and, and what it means to make disciples of Jesus. And the word disciple is just another word for follower, or maybe even a, a more contemporary term would be apprentice. A disciple is an apprentice. A follower is an apprentice. So what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Well, some people might say that that apprenticeship of Jesus will be, uh, a person who's an apprentice of Jesus would be consistent with their devotional time, or they would uh, attend church regularly, or they would know the scriptures well, or they would avoid sin, at least the big ones. Um, you know, they, they would be able to pray out loud. Is that really apprenticeship? See, here's the thing. You can do all of those things without really following Jesus. Right? Apprenticeship is not about morality or church attendance or praying out loud. Apprenticeship is really about just two things. That your attitudes become like Jesus's and you do the things that Jesus did. That's it. It's not a long list of do's and don'ts. It's about your attitudes becoming like Jesus and your actions becoming like Jesus. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. When you are an apprentice, you become like your teacher. You are a follower and you imitate. Now to try to get us, um, get a handle on the process of apprenticeship, I want us to look at the text that Paula read to us just a few moments ago from Luke chapter 5. And I've, I've taught this text twice in the 24 years that I've been here. And then this summer, I listened to Andy Stanley teach this text. And he made some, um, he had some insights on the process of apprenticeship that I thought were, were um, really interesting and worth our consideration. So we'll get to those in a few minutes. But first, let's just look at the text and let's walk through this. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is just another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, we need to recognize that the, the first phase of, of apprenticeship is just listening and learning. Because, because faith is built on content. God doesn't ask us to just make some blind leap of faith. There, there's always content. There's information that is, is out there for us. And Jesus is teaching content. See, God doesn't tell us just to shut up and don't ask questions. God welcomes our questions. As any good teacher does. So real faith is built on truth, and truth is not afraid to be challenged. Faith is built on content. It's built on information. And so the first step of of apprenticeship is is taking in content, taking in information. So Jesus is at the edge of the lake. He's teaching these people, and it says in verse 2, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And as, as you heard when Paula read, these guys had been out fishing all night. And so now they're coming in and they're, they're wrapping things up. They're washing their nets. Um, <clears throat> they're taking in the information. Verse 3, he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is asking Peter to stop what he's doing and to um, get involved with him to some small degree. This isn't a big deal, but it is an inconvenience. Because he's saying, I I want you to stop washing your nets and, and let me use your boat. Then he sat down. And taught the people from the boat. Verse 4. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now this is very important. Because Jesus is asking Peter to do something that Peter has been doing for years. But he's asking Peter to do it in a way that went against everything that Peter knew about fishing. You see, in those days, when you fished with a net, 
you would do it at night because at night the, the, the water on the surface cooled down, the bugs would come and land on it, the fish would come up and they would eat the bugs and you'd just throw your net out and you could haul in the fish. But during the day when the water temperature on the surface warmed up, the fish would dive deeper and you, it was too deep for your nets. You couldn't, there, there was no point in fishing because you couldn't get to the fish. Peter knew this. So verse 5, Simon Peter answered, Master, it's a term of respect. Master, we've worked hard all night. We've been fishing the best way we know how to fish. And by the way, we are fishermen. And we haven't caught anything. They've been doing what they've done for years, the way that they've done it for years. And Jesus shows up and Jesus says, I want you to do something. I want you to do the thing that you've been doing for years, but I want you to do it differently. I want you to do it my way. Now, Of the two of them, Peter was the fishing expert. And so he must have been thinking, "Um, dude, (laughs) you're a rabbi. And I grant that you know the scriptures better than I do. Great sermon, by the way. But hey, you got some things to learn about fishing. Everybody knows you don't fish during the day. And in fact, if I go back out now, everybody who's gathered on the shore right now is going to think I'm nuts. But Peter relents. He says, but because you say so, not because I think it's a good idea, not because I think it's going to work, not because I think it's going to help my street cred, which it's not, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I'll do it your way. Now imagine what hung in the balance of this decision. The reason we even know who Peter is today is because he made this decision to do something Jesus' way. Because he said, I'm going to go out on a limb with this rabbi and I'm going to do this thing that I've done a million times, but I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it his way. For some of you, that's exactly where you are today. You've been taking in information and now there's There's an area of your life where God is saying, I know you've done it this way all your life, but I want you to do it my way. Imagine what would have happened if Jesus is having this conversation and he drops the big screen and he says, hey, Peter, if you'll take me fishing, check this out. Check this out. This, Peter, is your tomb. This is where you're going to be married I mean, they're going to name this after you. This is St. Peter's Basilica. You're going to be St. Peter. Peter says, I am? Yeah. You're going to be St. Peter. And check out what it looks like inside. Isn't that awesome? This is an amazing place. This is going to be yours. And it's going to take them 118 years to build this bad boy. And it's going to be for you. Will you take me fishing? 
right? But <laughs> Peter had no idea of what hung in the balance. And here's the thing. Neither do you. We have no idea what impact one single decision we make as to whether or not we're going to do something the way we've always done it or we're going to do it the way Jesus tells us to do it. We have no idea. Verse 6. When they had done so, not when they had believed so, not when they had thought so, not when they had weighed their options so, but when they had done so, because doing is what matters. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he yelled to his buddies, Yeah, baby, we're not going to have to work for the next six months. Now, it says when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. See, it wasn't about fishing anymore. And he said, Go away from me, Lord, not Master. Lord, I am a sinful man. You see, in this moment, Peter recognized who Jesus was and he recognized who he was. And this was the beginning of Peter's apprenticeship with Jesus. But it wasn't until he took this practical step of faith that suddenly his eyes were opened and his heart was opened and he experienced something he had never experienced before. Verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. All of them did. James and John and Andrew and Peter. They pulled it up on shore. Left everything and followed him. Do you see what happened? Jesus had a plan for these guys. He had a plan for them to, um, to step into a life that was so much bigger than the life they had for themselves. But before they could step into it, they had to stop doing something the way that they had always done it. And they had to do it Jesus' way. And when they did that, a whole new world opened up to them. Jesus says, from now on, you're going to fish for people. And they were probably thinking, I wonder what that means. But it doesn't matter because look at what this guy did. And it says, then they left everything to follow Jesus. They left everything. Now, I want us to to go back and think about the, the stages or phases of discipleship or apprenticeship. And this is what I gleaned from uh, Andy Stanley this summer. It all started because they listened and learned. 
That's where the apprenticeship process begins. It starts with listening and learning. And then they took this small, inconvenient step where they loaned Jesus their boat, took them away from what they were doing, but they said, yeah, well, this isn't convenient, but yeah, you can borrow my boat. And then they actually took Jesus fishing. And they did something unusual. They allowed God to do something unusual in their life. They did things a way different from how they've done it before because Jesus said so. And lastly, they left everything. It was a place of total surrender. These are the the four phases of apprenticeship, and it's kind of a continuum. You start with listening and learning, then you move to the inconvenient step, but you, you, you don't stop listening and learning, and then you, you move to the place where you do something differently than you've done before, but you don't stop the previous two, and then finally you get to the place where you just say, my heart is yours, my heart is yours, take it all, take it all, my life is in your hands, as we sang earlier. Each one of us is in one of these stages. Now, I recognize that they're not, they're not necessarily stair-step or, or clearly defined. I think that we're, we can be in process along the way. But, but one stage or another more clearly represents where we are. Some of us are in the beginning of our apprenticeship and we're in that listen and learn phase. The fact that you're here this morning listening to this means that you have started the apprenticeship because you're in the listening and learning place. Um, You ought to be asking questions because faith is built on content and Jesus is not afraid of questions. God is not afraid of questions. Um, You come to him and the truth will answer. Others of you are in the lone Jesus, my boat phase. Um, You're in that place where you're allowing, you're taking that little inconvenient step. Um, You hear us talk a lot about small groups or, or alpha and, and some of you are saying, well, you know what? I, that's just inconvenient. I don't want to be in a small group. I don't want to go to Alpha. But, but moving to that next step is where you say, well, okay, may not really, may take some time, but I'll go there. Or maybe it's, it's getting involved in service. You know, we, we ask a lot, you know, would you volunteer for this? Would you volunteer for that? We're going to Father's Heart next Saturday. Come and, and, and you know, sign up for that or, or serve with the greeters or serve with the children. And you oh, that's just inconvenient. You know, I like, the, I like college football on Saturdays. Um, well, but if you'll take that step, that's the next step in the process. Um, or another way that you can do it is, James mentioned this this morning, we got all these little fish downstairs with the names of every child in this church from birth to 12th grade. You know how many we have in our church? Anybody take a guess? 
151. There's 151 kids from birth to 12th grade. And we've got all of them on a fish. So that you can go catch people, as Jesus told Peter. Um, So, you know, well, it's just kind of inconvenient to go downstairs. And it's just inconvenient to have to pray for a kid. I mean, come on. Go get a kid and pray for this child. That's the next step. And then, the, then there's the going fishing with Jesus face. And this is when it gets really exciting. This is when you, you've listened and learned, you've, you've taken that inconvenient step, and now you're at a place where, where Jesus says, I want you to do something in a way that you've never done it before. And you take that step of faith and you allow him to begin to work in your life. And maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's in your job, maybe it's in your finances. But this is where Jesus calls you to do something a little bit differently than you've done it before. And you say, well, how will I know what it is? You'll know. In fact, you know it right now as I'm talking. Because You've listened and learned enough. You've taken a little inconvenient step. And now you're at a place where God is speaking to you right now. And he's showing you that there's this place in this relationship that needs to be done differently than you've done it before. You need to do it his way. Or there's this place in your finances where you need to do it his way. Or this place in your job where you need to do it his way. You know exactly where it, where it is. And you have to choose, am I going to do that? But see, that's where it gets really exciting. Because when you do, then you get a boat full of fish. <laughs> and, then it, and then it's not about the fish anymore. Then it's not about your job anymore. And it's not about your money anymore. And it's not about that relationship anymore. It's about you and your relationship with God. And it becomes so much bigger and so much more fulfilling and something that you've never experienced before because you know who you are and you know who he is. And it's just amazing. And then you go to the place where it's that, you know, leaving your nets and everything behind thing. That's where you get to the place where you say, I've, I've, I've listened and learned, I've served, I've been inconvenienced, I've... I've, I've started to obey him in this thing, and I've started to obey him in that thing, and now I just want all of who he is. I just want to give him everything because it's just cool what he can do. Um, now let me... This is not about grading yourself on a point system. You don't get more points for being at the, at the giving him, leaving your nets place than you do for being in the listening and the learning place. It's, there's no grades in this. It's just a process. It's a continuum. You are where you are, right? I'm, it's not about being better or worse. It's about just, this is where I am right now. Because we all start in phase one at some point, and hopefully we progress. So that's not what it's about. 
the question is, um, will you take a step to go to the next phase? If you're in one phase, will, will you go to the next phase? Or will you take the next step? You see, you don't know what hangs in the balance. You don't know if there is a basilica in your future. St. Keith's Basilica. Right? If you, you've got a decision to make. And if you choose to take the next step in following Jesus, you'll never regret that choice. But if you choose not to, you won't know what you've missed. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get back in your small groups. And I want you to share with one another where you are in this journey. And again, this is not, there's no judgment in this. There's no points or you're better or I'm worse or whatever. This is just, here's where I am. So what phase do you think you most clearly fit in? Are you in the listening and learning phase? Are you in the small inconvenient step phase? Are you in the, the um, taking Jesus fishing where you're doing things more his way? Or are you in the surrendering all phase? Where are you in the journey? And um, is there something that comes to mind that that God might be calling you to, to move you down, move you to the next place. Okay? So that's the question I want you to discuss. You got about four minutes. Ready, go. My, my hope is that this, that this really just kind of begins the conversation. Um, obviously, you, you can't unpack all that, but... But hopefully you begin to really think about where am I in this journey? And what, what steps could I take to, to move further along? Let me wrap this up. So there's this interesting text in John chapter 6 where, and, and the small groups are actually going to study and discuss this this week, so I'm not going to unpack it. But the bottom line is, here's this large group of people who are... Um, following Jesus. And then Jesus starts teaching some hard stuff and, and most of them say, uh, I'm out of here. See, they, they weren't really followers. They were supporting. They, they would have voted for Jesus. But they weren't ready to go all in for him. And so when all these people are leaving, Jesus turns to the 12 and, and he says, essentially, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter makes answers with one of the great questions of all of Scripture. He says, where else are we going to go? That's really the question. Well, where else are you going to go? Because of all of the options out there, Jesus offers abundant and eternal life. So where else are you going to go? 
You see, what the disciples came to understand is that after they had encountered Jesus, going back to their routine, self-oriented lives just was not an option. It just didn't make sense. Because Jesus was offering them so much more that he was offering them, uh, he was calling them to, as we talked about last week, this life that was just so much bigger than them. So why would they want to go back to some, what they had? But see, that's the question that Jesus asked us. Okay, so you're in this, this journey. You're in, somewhere in this process. Um, do you want to leave too? Do you want to get out? So the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, where else are we going to go? I mean, we can go back to, to life as usual. It's comfortable, and we can wash our nets, and we can fish at night, and we can do all that stuff that we're used to doing because we know how to do it. Or we can do things the way Jesus tells us to do them, Because when we do, life just explodes and it's like, wow. And that's when we get to the place where we say, man, I'm leaving my nets. I'm leaving my stuff. Um, Take it all. Take it all. My life is in your hands. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Do you want to stay where you are? Or do you want to really follow Jesus? Where else are you going to go? Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks for... um, Thanks for your word. And thank you that we don't, you don't ask any of us to take some blind leap of faith. But you give us the scriptures and you, you have the Holy Spirit and you give us life experience and, and you've wired us with passions. And, and with all of that, you say, um, follow me. Lord, sometimes... We, we have to step out of the way we think it should be done and do it your way. So I pray that you would give us the, the faith to do that, the, the courage to do that, and that at the end of the day, we would meet you in such an extraordinary way in that place that it would revolutionize our life and we would get to the place where we would say, where else are we going to go? (laughs) Lord, I pray for each one of us in this room this morning that we would clearly understand where we are in the journey and that you would make clear to us what next steps could be, should be, for your namesake. Amen.